Hello and welcome to Let's Pod This. My name is Andy Moore. We're back. Scott Melson. We are back. All right, man. Man, I've missed that music. I know. It's, it's like, exciting. It's been... I didn't, I didn't even know how much I missed it until like right now. Right, right. It's good, good music. Right. Well, thanks, uh, thanks for joining us, everyone. Uh, we took a bit of a hiatus a few weeks longer than we intended because we were tired. We yes. did 65, 68 yes. episodes in a row, which is uh, not bad for just two white guys and a couple of microphones. In fact, you know, I don't think I know this is true for me and from the conversations we've had, I think it was true for you. I did not realize like how exhausted I was. Until I like, took a break. You know, when we started this podcast, we thought we'll do a weekly podcast during the legislative session and then we'll take a few months off and do other things. And then we had 17 months of session. Yes. And, and an um, election. And an election. <laughs> and it was great. Uh, and so we are here. Now, I just made a joke about two white guys and a microphone. And part of that is that moving into this season, into this next session, we're going to have some new voices to share with you. We don't have anyone here yet tonight because we just scheduled this really last minute um, to coincide with the inauguration of governor stitt the festivities the festivities um but uh, i look forward to this season i think it's going to be um well first it'll be a season i think it's going to be um some really great perspectives a new take on oklahoma politics no 100 percent. like we've 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 got some good plans this is going to be this is going to be a really interesting legislative session and as we'll kind of get more into later i'm i'm wondering if it might not be a little different. I mean, we'll see. Like, I think so. You know, we were having a text conversation yesterday about like trying to, you know, taking what the over under is on whether it's going to be different or whether it's going to be at each other's throats by like February 9th. But right. um, uh, I think, I think there's, there's definitely the potential for there to be some, uh, some changes this year. It's a brand new day. And I mean, I will, I will say for me as someone who didn't really pay attention to Oklahoma politics until just a couple of years ago, this is a brave new world. I I don't remember. I, I barely remember when Brad Henry was governor. I was here the whole time, but I wasn't thinking about it. It wasn't a super memorable time. Well, that's what I hear, right? And so, um, so today we're going to get into what we have so far. We're um, we're going to talk about a few articles, of course, in a news roundup. Um, then we'll get into um, talking about Stitt's inaugural address. We're going to recap and analyze, right? Uh, or at least give our impressions. There you go. Whether there's any actual analysis in that or not. Maybe some predictions. Next week, though, uh, we will be past the the final language filing deadline for yep. bills, which is this Thursday. We've got, I think as of today, Sean Ashley said some 300 and something yeah. in the Senate yeah. and like 84 or something in the House. We're recording this on Tuesday the 15th. I fully expect that those will both be in the, uh, at least the triple, if not the... Uh, quadruple digits by quadruple this time. digits yeah i'm sure it'll be around two thousand bills as it usually is a lot of shell bills a lot of so shell far. bills right um i spoke with a former member of governor fallon's cabinet or staff yesterday and he <laughs> joked about there's never any shell bills and i was like i i know you're being facetious because there are dozens is is that what the problem's been that they've literally just not been paying attention to what the legislature no no is? he's a sharp guy <laughs> and i i will say in case you are tuning in for the first time or Maybe you're still uh, new to this, as am I. A shell bill is a, a bill that is, there's a name, like the Oklahoma Remembers Act of 2019, but there's no language in the bill. 
It and, can literally be anything. And they strategically, they submit these, file these, because they might need to insert language down the road that they don't yet know what it's going to be, right? So it could be some bill that's going to, it might be about tax reform or education or whatever, they're usually kind of general. And uh, that way it gives them something to play with a couple of months from now. Yes, and something to cause us heart palpitations. Consternation, yes. right? Indeed. Yeah, I'm... Uh, my schedule is fairly open on Thursday and Thursday evening. I plan to begin sorting through the bills for a variety of reasons, which we will announce in subsequent weeks. Do you have a bottle of uh, whiskey to help you do that? I do. I bought a new bottle of bourbon this week. I forget the brand. It was on, not sale, but it had one of those little cards that described it. It's fruitier than I like. I prefer more of a vanilla note. Okay. All right. But it's fine. All right. I've I've been a little ill. If I sound a little stuffy, then I had a little... Sinus congestion, and so are hot your, toddies have been my nightly ritual for a week. Are your glands swollen? They are uh, ever so slightly. Yes. I feel my neck. They. You're a doctor. What is it? Does it look okay? Uh, I can't tell from here, and I'm not going to reach across the table. Appreciate that. Keep your hands off me. Hey, you. Get your damn hands off me. Yeah, I was watching, uh, as per the usual, I was watching West Wing yesterday, and that's the one where the uh, president is about to give uh, this. It's the from time to time he hmm. shall from time to time yes uh the president is stricken with the flu and uh as they are rehearsing the speech the comment is made sam seaborn played around one rob Lowe mm-hmm. says to cj craig one alice and Janie, are the president's glands swollen <laughs> and cj says dang it and rob says what he says you know what i forgot to do this morning it was check check the president's glands <laughs> So, uh, hey, while we're at it, that's your West Wing deep dive. That's great. While we're at it, I'm going to make a quick announcement real quick that I've not put out there even on social media yet. Everyone, listeners, uh, I need some kind of. Here we go. Our first West Wing watch party of 2019 will be on February 10th. Get excited. It's going to be a double header. That's right. Double feature. Two episodes. We're going to watch 20 Hours in America, parts one and two. Scott and I are both be there. Gotta get it's going to be just thinking about it. So that is a Sunday. I believe it's going to be at three o'clock in the afternoon at the Tower Theater. If uh, by the time you're listening to this, if it's not posted on Facebook, it will be any day. So keep checking. Um, I had to confirm the time with some of their staff. But three o'clock on February 10th. That's a Sunday. 20 Hours in America. We're going to watch that because it's about the president's staff getting stuck in rural Indiana, I believe, and having to mingle with the commoners in some ways, with the regular folks, which is a bit of a clash of um, cultures. And and I think maybe it's super relevant to what's going on in Oklahoma right now with uh, Governor Stitt, who has you know made a concerted effort to go to rural areas and talk with folks there. Issues in Lawton, Enid, those areas are very different than what they are in Oklahoma City or Tulsa. I think it's a relevant episode to watch. It's also a really good episode. Also great. All right, Scott, let's get into our news roundup. Let's let's get into it. So uh, first up this week, we have an article from News OK. This concerns uh, newly elected and newly installed United States Representative Kendra Horn, uh, who represents Oklahoma's 5th Congressional District. Now, obviously, uh, we try to keep the focus on local politics here. Um, we're not. We really don't get into federal politics too much. However, uh, given that Congresswoman Horn is the representative of Congresswoman, the, Congresswoman, 
Didn't I say that? No, you said man. Oh, whoops. Congresswoman <laughs> Congress person. I apologize, Kendra. Congresswoman Horn is a, uh, one, she's a, a friend of the show. She also represents the Oklahoma City, the Oklahoma City Metro, and Shawnee, which is where a lot of our listenership is. And also, she is new. She is uh, newly elected. This is her first kind of uh, foray into into national politics. And so we're- As an elected official, yeah. And, yeah. I, and I think it's important to point out that she is in a unique position. I'm probably stealing your thunder here, aren't I? No, that, <clears throat> that she is- she is the minority um, in the Oklahoma delegation. So she's the only Democrat, and then there's four Republicans. However, as as fortune would hold, she is in the majority in Congress where the Democrats have power. And so it's this weird dynamic where, like, out of the five Oklahoma reps uh, and senators, she's the only Democrat. However, she's the only one that's in the majority power. Um, and so that maybe might present some interesting... Um, Bedfellows. Especially because she's the most junior, right? So Oh, that's true. Right. So like but but she's the most junior in terms of tenure, but she is in some ways the most senior because she's in the majority. And so, you know, if for instance Governor Stitt was wanting to have, you know, needing emergency funds to be appropriated for something that happened here for some kind mm-hmm, of natural mm-hmm. disaster, you know, you might go to kind of the senior member of the congressional del- delegation, which I think a lot of people would say is uh, Congressman uh, Tom Cole. Sure. Yeah. Um but Congressman Cole is not in the majority now. And so the kind of path to those funds might lie through Congresswoman Horn's office. Um, And then, so that's just kind of an interesting, like I think you're right to call it an interesting dynamic is, um, is, is, I think it's just, that's interesting. It's also interesting because she's a Democrat and she's representing a district that um, has been Republican for a long time. It's in a Republican state. Mm-hmm. Uh, 538 called her victory the biggest upset of the night on uh, November the 6th. So it's 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 just going to be interesting to see how the next two years play out to have a, a Democrat representing what is a more progressive part of Oklahoma, but still a very conservative state. So yeah. check this article out. The kind of the thrust of it is really two things. So the government is... Uh, say thrust. Yes. Sorry. I don't know why it makes me laugh. I'm juvenile. Get your mind out of the Can't gutter. even watch football anymore. The much. gist? Is the gist of it better? Gist better? is good. That's okay. a good word. The, the gist of the article is looking at two things. So one... It's talking about the government shutdown. There's about 16,000 federal employees in the 5th Congressional District, and Congresswoman Horn um, is, I think, really trying to work hard and see if we can get some kind of funding bills passed, something to get the government reopened so that those uh, 16,000 furloughed employees can uh, get back to work and also be paid. Um, she also was talking, uh, was asked some questions about her vote for a Speaker of the House. She did vote for Representative uh, Congresswoman Nancy Pelosi, who represents San Francisco. Um you know, that was one of those deals. She voted for Speaker Pelosi. Like literally as soon as the vote came out, the Republican Congressional Campaign Committee sent out this like text. that was a, you could tell from some grammatical and substitutionary errors that were in the text that it was a, like, he, she, that it was kind of a copy and paste job. But, <clears throat> you know, that there was already um, some kind of, oh, she voted for Nancy Pelosi. What does that mean in a district like the 5th District? And, and I think it's just... Um, it's going to be interesting to follow that. You know, Congressman Horn made a point to say that, um, you know, I her quote is, I'm not going to be in lockstep with anyone. I have always been uh, pragmatic and realistic about what's important, and I don't think either party has a lock on all of the answers. She also said that, you know, Pelosi was the best choice for protecting access to healthcare, Social Security, and Medicare, uh, which I think um, a number of her constituents would probably agree that access to those things are important. So, in- indeed, that's on News OK. Check it out. Our next article, this is... 
one that we really thought we had to include, and Andy's going to kind of walk you through it. It is also from News OK. Mm-hmm. I should say that both of these are not behind the paywall. So these are uh, access, public access on the News OK website. Um, one of my goals for this year in our news roundup is to try and be as diverse as possible in the sources that we're citing. Mm-hmm. You know, News OK and the Oklahoman, they do a nice job. The Tulsa World's kind of the same thing. But um, between non doc, um, between uh, the journal record, um, between the frontier, um, there are lots, lots of people doing really good work, and I and I think we try to highlight them here on the show. Um, but my hope is that we will, if not never, at least very rarely, have two articles from the same source. Ooh, that's a in our, that's uh, a good goal in our news roundup. I'm not going to promise that. I'm just going to go with whatever's most relevant. Yeah, that's often, but often multiple. Entities cover the same story, so yeah, that, maybe that's not so bad. So, um, yeah, so we're about the Ethics Commission bans, right? Yes, sir. Um, so the Ethics Commission has a bit of a, a, a tenuous relationship with the legislature, as you may have seen in the news. So they have put out some rules that they recommend. So basically, the Ethics Commission makes recommendations on rules, and then the legislature either adopts them or does not. Um, and as luck would have it... Which is a little bizarre. Right, it's like... Well, we recommend that you be more ethical, and they say no. no. <laughs> and so we disagree, right? And so I'm uh, disinclined to acquiesce to your request. Ooh, well, that's no habla español. <laughs> um, so one of these rules is that they um, it come it kind of comes on the heels of former state auditor Gary Jones raising some concerns about um, individuals in the legislature running political action committees or PACs. Um, and this came to the news because um, uh, Chris Kennedy, is that who it was? Yes. Um, uh, in the legislature, in the House, um, kind of somewhat infamously now, used uh, a PAC to run attack ads against the most extreme members of his party, the Republican Party, and to get them out of office. And it worked, right? So like, Yes. The 12 most conservative members of the House all lost in the primaries, I think. The purge. And so that was, um, I don't have a sound effect for that. But yeah, so they all um, uh, lost and, and are not there anymore. And, and this is not uncommon. I, I think, I mean, both parties run these in both chambers. They use them to get reelected or to run ads to help others get reelected. Uh, often it's kind of a party-centric thing. Anyway, the Ethics Commission says this is not super ethical that members of, in their opinion, they think that it's not ethical. Um, it's not expected to be adopted by the legislature. It will probably be cast aside. Um, another art, another issue, and I don't know if this is in their article, um, but it's about uh, the Ethics Commission has put forth a rule regarding indirect lobbying. So what? My under and so I'm you know I'm still figuring this stuff out, but my understanding is that direct lobbying, Scott, would be like if you are an elected official and I take you to dinner and like buy your dinner or I give you thunder tickets, yes, and please, I, and I ask you, yes, to both, please support this measure. Okay, um, I can't afford to do either of these things, but unless you want fast food, much like the president, um, <laughs> and so I, um, that would be direct lobbying, like from me to you, right? Indirect lobbying would be like me spending money to get uh, our listeners to all email you and say, hey, I'm a listener to Let's Pod This and I support this legislation. Like it's it's not directly at you. It's directed at 
other people to get them to do action, right? So every, I mean, tons of nonprofits um, and trade organizations and whatever do this. Um, they also spend money on ads, right? So like maybe it's not at you directly, but I buy money for radio spots about an issue or I buy a billboard that's on your drive to work and it says, attention legislators, vote for this, right? That I know you're going to see, that kind of thing. It's not directly at you individually, but it's, so it's indirect. Uh, that those things would have to be disclosed on who supported that. So, um, so far, uh, it's, from what I've seen, it has been the very conservative members uh, or conservative organizations. So like um, OCPA, the Oklahoma Council of Public Affairs, was one of the, and maybe the state chamber were some of the ones that came out against it initially. Um, and with their wording was a little weird in my opinion, but, um, but I've heard from other organizations that are certainly on the, on the left as well with their concern that this would mean that if they had to disclose all of their donors and how it relates to a particular ad campaign, for one, it's the reporting is onerous to say the least. Yes. And so I kind of expect this to be opposed by um, everybody, like all the lobbyists, all the nonprofits, everything. Is it better for democracy? Well, because uh, it's aimed, yes, I think, because it's aimed at trying to expose dark money groups, right? But it's it may end up being inadvertently super cumbersome to everybody else. I think, I yeah, I think... Um, <clears throat> I think you hit the nail on the head there. All right, I agree. Well, I have nothing. I have nothing of substance to add. I went beyond the Call of Duty with that one. That's not even in the article. You did well. All right. What's uh, next? You want to briefly uh, mention uh, this article from Nondoc? Yeah. So Nondoc did um, a great coverage. So welcome back, Nondoc. They had also closed the doors for a couple of months, and they got enough support. So thank you, everyone who may have donated to them. Um, and thank you to Trace and your staff for continuing to do the work that indeed. you do. I, um, my wife and I conferred. She was like, did you do- donate today? I said, I did. She's like, okay. That's so, so to make sure. Um, they, um, aside from being friends at the pod, I think that Trace and crew um, have done a great job of covering the Capitol. And I've heard, you know, I ran into uh, Pam Pollard, who's the former chair of the Oklahoma GOP at the airport last month. And right after Nondoc had announced they were closing, and she's like, we got to have a fundraiser for them. Um, which is funny that the chair of the of the Oklahoma GOP said that because often I think Nondoc has been characterized as like this liberal media outlet, right? Especially in today's world. And so I think that proves that they've done a great job of covering these stories from both sides and um, in some ways because they're not, I'll say, big media, right? Like they are independent journalists. Um, Trace is up there like busting his hump every day to get these stories and these quotes and to really dig into things. And it's been um, really outstanding. So yeah, if you, if you, if you got 10 bucks that you can spare or, or more, mm-hmm. certainly. Right. Um, give the first 10 to us <laughs> and then the next 10 give to non-doc. Yes. Uh, 20 to us, 10 to them, maybe <laughs> head to nondoc.com after you go to let's fix this. Okay.org and uh, <laughs> let them, uh, let them know how much they matter to you. Yeah. So um, anyways, an article um, entitled Governor Stitt Inaugurated Lawmakers Talk Optimism. It's, uh, a, it is a long and in-depth article. It's an excellent read. I recommend it. Um, I'm going to skip to the end like I do every book I read. Just kidding. Um, Scott, I've read already two books this year. I. That's two more than I read in the last decade, I think. Um, I am 
halfway through my first one and it is fantastic. I I'm halfway through two actually. This first one is it's awesome, but it's a little bit of a doozy. So we should have an episode in future weeks about what we're Books reading. We read? Yes. And maybe a blog post, I think. Agreed. would be helpful. All right. So I'm going to jump to the end of this article on non-doc because um, it ends with some quotes from uh, House Majority Leader John Eccles. Floor Leader? Majority Leader? There's too many leaders. Uh, floor Leader. How do they get anything done? He is House Majority Floor Leader. House Majority. There's too many things. Both. All right. Well, John Eccles. Um, and friend of the pod, I'd say. Has, has he been on with us? Um, no. Or we, did we just text with him in, while we were recording one in, time? In case he's listening, he's told us multiple times that he will come on. But, we'll make it happen this year. <laughs> but it hasn't happened he yet. He did get waylaid by a teacher walkout last year. Uh, Leader Eccles, if you are, if you're there, 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 we'd love you to come on. on I'll on. text him later, and I'm sure he'll say yes. He's a good dude. Look at you name dropping, texting with the floor leader. Listen, if you just go to the Capitol and talk to people, <laughs> they will give you their cell phones. It's very true. You it's don't have to true. be special. Like I'm not special. I'm just like, how do I get a hold of you? Here's my cell phone. Yep. Okay. Uh, I did not expect three years ago when this all started that I could text the mayor, my congressperson, my house rep, my state senator, but this is how it happens. Like you just go up there and you're like, hi, I live in your district. And then someone runs down the street. You know, okay, that's it's true. What happens? Um, anyway, so Leader Eccles has some quotes um, that are indeed optimistic. He says, I feel like there are a lot of, nope, sorry, that's the wrong, that's the wrong quote I was reading from Kelly Albright. Uh, Eccles says, one key is remembering that we all wear the same jersey, and I don't mean Republican, I mean Oklahoman. We are all Oklahomans, and we all care about what's going on in this state. Number two is communication. We want there to be open dialogue between the executive branch and the legislative branch, and that's what we been ex- uh, that's what we that's what we've been experiencing as long as with that reminder well with the same jersey and we continue to communicate well it's going to be a great four years so that was also my favorite quote of the piece um can i share my second favorite quote of the piece which yes. is also from leader eccles yes um talking about governor city says what i continue to hear what i want to continue to hear is not really what is said in the campaign speeches but what happens behind the scenes Quote, right now, we have a better working relationship with the executive than we've had <laughs> since I've been up here. I read that. I was like, he's literally been <sighs> in office for like 36 hours. No, right. like 28 hours. Right. And it's like immediately, like, already. It's all, well, this it's, is this it's is from yesterday, better. though. I mean, this is from yesterday. And so, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, I'm sure that... I'm sure that Trace talked to Echoes yesterday, so it was less than 12 hours probably, right? Like... like Day one, and we're doing better than we were for the last eight years, (laughs) which is no surprise. I mean, I think that everyone kind of knows that the legislative branch didn't exactly see eye to eye with Governor Fallon. Did anyone? I'm sure someone did. I'm sure. All right. She got elected twice after all. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I would definitely, uh, I echo your thoughts, Andy. It's a great article. It is, it is uh, a long form piece, but uh, you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with uh, reading. Not that long. Big news. Um, All right. So definitely check it out. Uh, Moving on next up. So uh, we got some special music for this, uh, for this next piece. It's not even our Pruitt watch music. We have some. Is this the. Yeah. Cue it up. Is that correct? That's it. Y'all man. Y'all know what that y'all know what that music means. We have some medical marijuana music. So uh, this is from KFOR. Oklahoma City Public School Board approves a medical marijuana policy saying that Oklahoma City Public School students will be allowed to use medical marijuana on campus. 
This is bananas. Obviously, provided that it is uh, provided that it is being prescribed by a physician that they have a medical license, and they also have to have it administered by a parent. So the school personnel can cannot administer to it, but a the district will provide a private location for a caregiver to administer medical marijuana to students at school. Uh, the caregiver is responsible for bringing the weed to the qualifying student <laughs> and then promptly removing the weed from the premises after consumption or use. So you can't just be like hanging out by the portables, <laughs> right. smoking a joint, <laughs> but but someone can bring you an edible or something and you can eat it in the but, nurse's office. Yeah, but but if you do want to smoke, I guess, there's going to be a like designated area on campus that you can do that. Now, this I mean, my mama talks about having a designated smoking area when she was in school. Like, sure. In the 60, but it was not weed right i mean it might have been like it well, wasn't might have been to be, that, right like in their volkswagen bug or now i will say i actually think that the incidence of this happening will be exceedingly rare um one because not that many kids have the conditions that would benefit from medical marijuana but two so the way that oklahoma law is written um two doctors have to sign off on licenses from minors anyone under 18 oh really yeah so it's not just one it's two docs and one of those doctors has to be a board certified pediatrician and i will just let y'all know as a board certified pediatrician yeah (laughs) as as a board certified pediatrician and, and as someone who knows many others i i do not personally know any board certified peds docs that are gonna be prescribing medical marijuana i have heard tell of one in Tulsa, oh, I'm sure there's one. Uh, so it's always so. So if you're if you feel your child needs medical weed, I guess you're gonna have to go to Tulsa. They keep cu- cutting uh, reimbursement rates, and we a lot more. That's right. So check that out on uh, KFOR. We thought that we th- that came out today, and we thought it merited an inclusion. And then last but not least, oh now is it now is the time? Right. It it wouldn't be our first news roundup of, of the year if we didn't. If we didn't have a Pruitt watch. There it is. There it is. Scott Pruitt still in the news for all the wrong reasons. Uh, Politico. Politico had now. I have to confess this isn't from like today since since you've held on to this for a week or two <laughs> since administrator Pruitt's not an office anymore the drip of corruption has slowed a little bit <laughs> um, this is from about three weeks ago uh from politico pro pruitt group took big checks in secret so this is um, an article talking about protecting america now which sounds awesome but doesn't really tell you anything about what they do is a uh pack a super a dark money group that uh raised about half a million dollars um that looks to all, all come from almost one place uh one oil company oh right <laughs> so it was like, like 5.7 million from yeah, like one company from, uh pioneer natural resources which is in texas uh had the largest single uh, contribution that was more than 20 percent of the group's total haul um the rest of their donors are secret uh this particular company pioneer natural resources they self-disclosed that they donated the money but by law this group is not required uh hmm. to uh disclose their donors this is a group that was raising money from it looks like at least mostly from oil and gas industry and then used a lot of that to lobby for the confirmation of scott pruitt as epa administrator they uh they also let me verify this uh if I'm not mistaken, they also uh, put some money into the Oklahoma gubernatorial race last year as well. Um, yes, they did. Uh, they spent uh, October 2018, they uh, spent $403,000 on ads attacking uh, Drew Edmondson. Interesting. So, 
Um, check it out on Politico. We'll get it up for you on the web. But that is, uh, you know, I confess, I don't always go like looking for a Pruitt watch. Most of the time they just fall in my lap. But I thought like, it's our first show back of the year. Let's let's start the year off right. And I mean, every time it could be the last time. Right? It's we'll true. see. It's true. All right. Uh, let's take a quick break. And then we come back. We're going to break down, listen to, and, and maybe kind of break down uh, Governor Stitt's inaugural address. Sound good? Let's do it. All right. Well, that was easy. We're back. Um, So now we're going to, as we said, move into Governor Stitt's inaugural address. I'm just going to let it play for a little bit. Um, For those of you who listen to Pod Save America, this might be a little bit like a game that I've heard they play called OK Stop. It's true. Um, I don't. I don't listen to them. I listen to it for a little bit, and then I just can't handle the drama. Seriously? No, I. I have limited time. I don't have time to listen to all these podcasts. I got stuff to do. Oh, that's, that's fair. I'm trying to run like four organizations right now. So, give <laughs> me some slack. And when I run, like I'm trying to get back into running. Hence, I'm I'm wearing running attire, athleisure wear right now. Yeah, I can't do podcasts with the gym. So here's what I'm gonna come do. I'm gonna drink some whiskey and then decide to go run like several miles this year. Wait, you're running after? Yeah, I'm not running yet. Oh, that's brave. I had to work. I don't. I got little flashy lights. You can wear that to work? No, I came home and changed. I uh-huh. let the dogs out and then I came over here. And I'm gonna go. He's home very and- comfortable today, guys. Very yeah, I have three shirts on. I'm going to play this in the background. We, won't, we might be able to talk over it a little bit. So I recorded this. I'll be honest. I recorded this with my phone and a microphone from about 100 feet away from the speaker. Um, Scott, you did not attend the inauguration. I was not able to be there. I, I attended uh, my first one. Again, four years ago, I wasn't paying attention at all. It was cold. Everybody was talking about it that. Was quite, it was, uh, quite chilly. It was uh, overcast was for the first nippy. part. I will say that he got awfully lucky, uh, and I visited with some folks inside about this, that just as he finished his uh, taking the oath of office, the sun parted the clouds and shined on the stage. Uh, I don't care who you are. That's really lucky. Turn it up a little bit here. statewide elected officials. I look forward to rolling up my sleeves and working with you on the important tasks we have ahead to make Oklahoma a top 10 state. I'm going to say that's a theme you're going to hear throughout this is a top 10 state. Justices of the Supreme Court. And I want to especially thank Governor Fallon, Governor Keating, Governor Nye, Governor Henry, Governor Walters for being here today. Thank you so much. Fun fact, three of those five ex-governors are Democrats. Just barely. And to my beautiful wife, Sarah, I wouldn't be here today without you by my side over the past 20 years. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Her heart and compassion for people is absolutely unmatched. And to my six children, Natalie, Drew, Kate, Piper, Remington, and Houston, I love you guys. I am so proud of you. I'd like to thank uh, my mom and dad, my two brothers, and Sarah's family here today. Honored guests, friends, and my fellow Oklahomans, it is with deep gratitude and thanks to my Heavenly Father and with determination in my heart that I stand before you today. 
You see, I'm a pretty typical Oklahoma son, like so many of you. I moved around a little bit as a kid. I attended first grade in Wayne, Oklahoma, population 700. And then I graduated from Norman High School. I spent many summers in Sky 2, helping my grandparents on their dairy farm. And I spent Sundays in church listening to my dad preach. I'm going to pause real quick. I'm going to say, here's what I thought was interesting. I didn't know this about Governor Stitt, but um, in some ways, he is a great candidate for governor because he um, uh, grew up in rural Oklahoma. Yep. Um, he went to high school in Oklahoma City Metro, and now he lives in Tulsa Metro, right? So he's kind of got all three areas covered. Yes. And also, the fact that he, you know, the fact that he, obviously, um, I mean, I think most people know this by now with his company, with it's been very successful. Um, Governor Stitt is independently a, a multimillionaire, um, but he didn't grow up that way, right? And so um, I think the fact that he can, you know, rightfully, you know, talk about how he, he started a company and he's built it into a, a success is a story that I think really appeals to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and it's a story that, that it makes it makes a good political story. Yeah. My dad raised me and my two brothers to believe we could do anything we put our minds to. He would tell us, don't ever give up. Don't ever quit. The future doesn't just happen. You make it happen. So dream big. These words have echoed in my mind through many sleepless nights over the past 20 years while building an Oklahoma company with my wife and Sarah and raising our family that we love dearly. It wasn't easy. We took great risks as a family. We made hard decisions. We sacrificed. We weathered difficult times and we learned from each other, from our employees and from our community. And to my Gateway team members here today, thank you for being part of our American dream. That was probably me coughing. I'm sorry, I've been sick. There's gonna be more of that. Two years ago, the idea of running for governor was still just a small mustard seed. I traveled the country. So I'm, I'm a kind of a word nerd, okay? And so I'm going to, sorry, I'm jumping in to pause this because I'm in control of the iPad here. But I think that um, I do like imagery and I, I appreciate understanding like and seeing where folks connect with their constituency. Um, the imagery of the mustard seed is undoubtedly biblical, right? Like the, the, someone who has the faith of a mustard seed being very tiny. Also, mustard is delicious. Mentioned in three of the four Gospels, as I recall. Ooh, look at you go. I think it's in uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but not John. It, well, John is the shortest. That's true. Just he's, Who was the doctor? Luke was the doctor. Luke was the doctor. All right. Onward. John was the... Uh, my offices okay. in other states, seeing their economies take off and thrive. They were recovering from our nation's historic recession. I would then come home to the state that I love to find us struggling. Stuck at the bottom in every category that matters. And we don't have to relive the past few years. Everyone was touched by it. You pause it. it was this <laughs> yes, I can. <laughs> I mean, I don't disagree with what he's saying right there. But, like, is it a little bit awkward to... I mean, like, Fallon... Like, Connor Fallon's like, she's right there. That It right? was awkward. Like, so, she's right there. I mean, so I, I thought that same thing, standing there um, in the cold, kind of watching him at the stage, and that she was just to his left, and so seeing that. And and again, last week it just came out that she is now America's least 
favored governor. Yeah, which is I, I feel for her. I do, especially when you consider. Now this is a this is a deep dive that no one who's not an uber political nerd will get. But like, she's less popular than Paul LePage. I don't even know who that is. The outgoing governor of Maine, who is an insane person. Really? So, uh, former board members Effie Craven and. Uh, and Joe Rourke are up there in Maine now. Yeah, Effie was at the at the Maine State Capitol today. How, what did Governor Page do? I mean, most recently, he's notoriety. He uh, his notoriety is due to the fact that he refused to expand Medicaid in his state. The legislature said they wanted to it passed to do it, and he vetoed it. Then the uh, tax the uh, the citizens passed a ballot initiative that passed overwhelmingly, and he still was like, "No, I'm not expanding Medicaid." Like they passed a ballot initiative, and he said, "Like." So he's hard headed. No. Right. Yes. So. Right. ...that caused me to reach deep and ask, what more can I do to make a difference, to address a pattern seen throughout our state history? From the dust bowl of the 1930s to the oil glut of the 1980s, where we have lived for each boom and we've starved at each bust. Like you, I was frustrated. Like you, I am motivated. I see untapped potential. I see opportunity. I see great men and women around me. I see promises to be kept. I see jobs. I see progress. I see a top 10 Oklahoma. I just have to say. Okay, stop. <laughs> I just have to say. I see pride. I see power. I see a badass mother who don't take no crap off of nobody. <laughs> What is that? You texted me that, but I don't know what it's from. From Cool Runnings, dude. Uh, <laughs> it's from Cool Runnings. From Yul Brynner. Theater of the Rhythm. Yes. Theater of the Rhyme. Yes. Um, so I thought that uh, that whole segment is really well written. I don't know who wrote this speech, but I the the lines, and Catherine Sweeney from Journal Record uh, tweeted this as well. I thought the line that um, it was... Uh, from the Dust Bowl of the 1930s to the oil glut of the 1980s, where we have lived for each boom and starved in each bust. Yes. That is exactly, that is our history. Yep. And if you've read... Um, uh, uh, Boomtown. Boomtown, yes. Um, ooh, i got to take that to a co-worker tomorrow. You should definitely read the book Boomtown by Sam Anderson. Excellent book about the history of Oklahoma City. Um, fascinating. Confirms a lot of things that we've all kind of thought or believed about our city by giving historical context. And I thought that was well-worded also a uh, great job aligning himself with everybody, right? Like you, I'm frustrated. Like you, I'm motivated. I see untapped potential. This is the, this is the message. I think I feel like his delivery was great. And I feel like this is the message that Oklahoma has needed to hear for a long, long time. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. Um, the, like that, and that just, that structure there. I mean, I, you know, yeah, yeah. I'm not making, I'm a little bit making fun of it because I just, the, the sentence structure there just takes me back to one of my favorite movies of childhood, but like cool running. You know, yeah. Oh, dude, totally love it. Right. <laughs> but like I'm motivated. I see untapped potential. I see opportunity. I see great men and women around me. Right. I see promises kept. I see jobs. I see progress. I see a top 10 Oklahoma. Succinct like to that the point that build yes. there. Right. Um, it, it does, it makes you even, you know, it, even if you're someone that, you know, maybe didn't support him or, or vote for him or what have you, like, that is, that right there should be a message that if you live in our state, you can, you can. Get I don't care it. who you are, you right. get behind that. Right. Totally. All right, let's go on. 
I know it's possible because I spent the past 18 months traveling the state, listening to Oklahomans in all 77 counties, holding more than 300 town halls, knocking on the doors of strangers, and learning the platform and the mandate that Oklahomans wanted for their next governor. Here's what I heard. We know we can be and should be a top 10 state. Why? Because we are Oklahoma, proud of our hardworking, God-fearing people. It is because of Oklahoma's work ethic that in Lawton, one of, the good, one of Goodyear's largest tire manufacturing facilities in the world is located. That American Airlines has its largest maintenance and repair facility in the world in Tulsa. That we are the birthplace of companies like Quick Trip, Hobby Lobby, and Sonic. It's because of Oklahoma's work ethic that our farmers and ranchers are the, are the top five in the nation in the production of beef cattle, wheat, canola, cotton, and pecans. We are Oklahoma, proud of our natural resources. From abundant water in the east to oil, natural gas, and wind energy that stretches across the west. Okay, stop. So there's a couple things here, and I'm, I'm going to highlight two different things. So um, the first you know, he says, I know it's possible because I spent the past 18 months traveling the state, listening to Oklahomans in all 77 counties. One of the things that I've, I've never met the governor. I hope to, I'd love to sit down and talk with him. But one of the things that I have, that has been common in every, you know, every interview that I have read about him, every interview that he's, you know, uh, given when people, people who know him, people who met him on the campaign trail, the one trait that seems to be to be mentioned most frequently is that he listens. He asks, like he gets, you know, one of the things that I think some folks have been, been skeptical about is that governor state has no experience in government. And it's like, okay, so what is, what does that mean? Well, it seems, it seems like the, the kind of the optimistic take is he is someone that asks really good questions of the people he's around and he doesn't just ask good questions, but he listens to the answers. Yeah. Um, and so I thought, just thought it was interesting that he kind of highlighted that in the speech that I went to all 77 counties, but I didn't go there to tell them why I should be the governor. Mm-hmm. I went to 77 counties and held 300 town halls to listen to what people want from their government. That's true. Um, and I, I think as a pro tip to anyone who's listening, if you want to make a positive impression on somebody else, listen to them. Totally. Everyone likes to be listened to. Obviously, if they're trying to do the same thing to you, then you no one will communicate. But but asking good questions and being a good listener are skills that are in short supply. And and if true, right? Like I haven't again, I haven't met him yet either. Um, I've been within like three feet of him, but there was a big crowd and I couldn't get there. Um, also, not the place to have a conversation. But <laughs> I think. Um, that's the, the and I, I will say that whenever I met uh, Governor Fallon a few times, um, she was a good listener. We had great conversation, and she is a very affable one-on-one. And I think that's I understand how she won. Yeah, people liked her because of that, right? Um, policy work aside, of course, and so and that remains to be seen with Governor Stitt. The other thing I want to say about this passage, and it's you know I I'm I don't know what this means for the next four years. Um, and maybe it doesn't mean anything, but it, it is interesting to me that we are in Oklahoma. We are proud of our hardworking people. It is because of Oklahoma's work ethic that Lawton has the Goodyear plant. It is because of Oklahoma's work ethic that our farmers and ranchers are so successful. Um, he is 
kind of laying the successes of the state directly at the feet of the successes we have are because people who are not in government put in the effort. And that's fair. Yeah. And I'm not saying I'm not saying that it's not, but I think that it's easy to see how you could go from that place to a pivot of, well, if you're not successful or your industry's not successful or your town's not successful, your community's uh, not successful, you work hard it's enough. because you're not working hard enough. That's and, a whole different Right. And so I think I don't I, I have absolutely no qualm with giving it up to people who are breaking their backs in a tire plant or, you know, working their tails off on a you know, farming soybeans or beef cattle or cotton or whatever. Like that's mm-hmm. power to them and, and we should take nothing away from that. But I also think it's important that I, I hope to hear him address that maybe there are some structural barriers mm-hmm. that, yeah, hard work is an ingredient, but you can't you can't swim against a current. You can't swim ten miles an hour against a current that's on a current that's on fifteen miles an hour, right? Right, right. You swim as I mean, hard as you can, and you still move backwards. Right, right. The hard work doctrine is a is a slippery slope, I think, in lots of ways. This entrepreneurial spirit and innovation with our resources that allowed Oklahoma to play a leading role in making America energy independent. In Oklahoma, we are number four in oil production, number three in natural gas production, and number two in wind energy production. We are Oklahoma. And despite that, last in money. Abundant land and our central location in the United States. It's what makes us home for a booming aerospace industry five thriving military bases and the largest most inland river port in the nation with the port of Catoosa. I did not know that. It's this pride that will allow us to move forward together, not as Republicans or Democrats, but as Oklahomans locked hand in hand, arm in arm. That also, I mean, that's a plea towards bipartisanship, towards like understanding that we are all in this together. And I think that's important. Um, I also did not know that about the uh, port of Catoosa. Um, all I know is the blue whale of Catoosa. So that was interesting. I think that this is, the, again, I will say, this is the kind of message that is a very Oklahoma version of hope <coughs> and change, right? That like things that people want to hear. And, um, and that is, that is, I think both true and a take that I've not heard from anyone like that direct comparison of like pride, you know, pride and work ethic with hope and change. Like you're, right. I think you're a hundred percent right because that's um, what Oklahomans are. Yeah, right. No, when you totally. think about, I, I'm going to go quick go off on this, but like if you've watched um, the Ken Burns documentary about the dust bowl and you think about the history of Oklahoma and what we have come through from Indian territory through the dust bowl to to the oil boom and the oil bust and and then the secondary fracking boom and subsequent bust and where we are today right like we are a people who have inhabited an inhospitable land we have continued to farm and drill and force this land to give us just a tiny sliver of what it's got so we can survive and we have got through by the grit and the skin of our teeth and we are still here despite the fact that we are living on arguably the largest desert in north america um and that we are um trying the western half anyway yes and we are trying to make our lives however we can we are a stubborn people Right, like if you read the Grapes of Wrath, like you understand this, that we are, we are gritty, we are in this, we are good, salt of the earth people, and uh, and I think that his, um, 
his comparisons here are well taken and I think that it understands and I like that he counts down like we are fifth and fourth and third and second like all that stuff is uh is super important and it's things that I didn't know and it's like you know what I like that he's counting down all the things that we are good at because yeah. often we and I will say that we often talk about this too all things we are bad at right he's a feedback the, sandwich is it what the feedback sandwich what? When you're giving feedback to, oh like yeah, yeah, weren't you good, bad, good, yes. right? Yes, yes, yes. Um, and I think this because they are not mutually exclusive. It's not like we're not one or the other. We are all these things. We are not terrible at everything. And I tell you what, if it was me up there as governor and I'm giving an, an inaugural address, I'm hitting these same points. No, totally. This is the time to talk about the things that we're doing good at, right? Totally. We can get into the bad stuff. We got four years to deal with that stuff. It'll come. But today. It's day to get into this. Totally. All right. Let me find my, my screen went to sleep. I was talking too long. And to that, we must ask, what is it going to take to get this turnaround started? Are we ready to look each other in the eyes and honestly say, we got this. We can do this together. I am. But for us to be successful, I need you to join me. State government is not the answer to all of our problems. We must get involved in our schools, in our churches, in our neighborhoods, in our local nonprofits to diagnose and solve the unique challenges county by county so that no one person falls through the cracks because every life in Oklahoma is worthy of our respect and help. Okay, stop. I'm going to try not to interject much more than this, but I can't let this like one part go. I had a feeling (laughs) like we must get involved in our churches, our schools, our neighborhoods, our nonprofits to diagnose and solve the unique challenges county by county so that nobody falls through the cracks. That sounds great, but there's two problems with it. One that assumes that assumes that people are not involved already, right? Like that assumes that the reason that our communities are struggling is because there's a lack of parent involvement at school, right? There's a lack of community involvement in nonprofits and neighborhood organizations. And there is no doubt that there are communities across Oklahoma where that is the case. Mm-hmm. And I don't dispute that at all. Oklahoma has the, the largest nonprofit community in the country. But what I would, what I would, what I would submit to you is if you are a single parent who's working a $10 and 25 cent an hour job to try and make ends meet, and you're working 60 to 80 hours a week at that job, one job or two jobs, yeah. you don't have time to join the PTA. Right. Right. You don't have time to go to that neighborhood meeting, meeting to talk about cleaning up the park. Right. Well, and like, I, like, as to, a good example, I will highlight, um, you know, someone who's been supportive of us, Citizens Bank of Edmond, that they, in Edmond, which is considered an affluent suburb, I totally stole your thunder here, but um, an affluent suburb, there are certainly schools there that are in lower income areas and families cannot be involved. And so Citizens Bank staff have stepped up to serve as the PTA for those schools because they recognize that parents can't. So even in Edmond, like even in a, in a what was people consider a wealthy suburb, there are entire schools where families cannot take time off work to, to do this. Right. And like I said, it's not, it's not the sentiment that I did. It's, it's not the idea that like, I'm not disagreeing that having parents more involved or families more involved in our community or churches doing more. I'm not saying that those things aren't important and that we shouldn't push for those, but to kind of sit from, to to stand on the stage at inauguration 
and kind of say, this is what we need to fix the problems um, confirms that as I don't think anyone would disagree, the governor said is speaking from a position of immense privilege. Sure. Sure, um, sure, 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 sure. And, and that's fine. But I feel like that needs to be for all of, for all of the, for all of the things that he said in the speech so far that I really love, mm-hmm. this was the the first one that I was really kind of like, this is the thing you bumped on. Yeah. yeah. Hold up. All right. All right. We got quite a bit left. So we're going to continue here. We could just talk over some of it. And I know that working together, we will be a top 10 state. And as I begin serving today as your next governor, let me tell you where Oklahoma's turnaround starts for me. Accountability. It starts today by demanding accountability in our state government. In this administration, we're going to get to the bottom of every tax dollar spent. We're going to ensure every dollar matches the values and visions of Oklahoma becoming a top 10 state. We will bring Oklahoma fully into the digital age and maximize our services while creating an efficient process that allows us to do it at the lowest possible cost. Coming fully into the digital age we is can only very expensive. Such accountability when state agencies understand that they exist to serve and to answer to the people of Oklahoma. I think that that plays on the uh, failures of the Department of Health in the last couple of years. Totally. I feel like a golf announcer. Independence from the voter. They have the ability to ignore executive orders, skirt around laws passed by the legislature, hide pockets of money, and protect their own interests by hiring lobbyists. To my fellow Oklahomans, this must change if we're going to move the needle. And he sinks the butt. I, I will say on that. State agencies hire lobbyists or legislative liaisons, so they do have a voice up there, and they're not just being punished by the legislative branch. And they can't do it using state funds. Right. Step forward with ways to deliver efficiencies, to modernize, to meet the needs of the Oklahoma customer, to help us become a customer-focused government. With new leadership, you will be the change agents and innovators that help us become top ten. It's my okay, elected officials in the House and the Senate. Okay, this is really going to be really brief. I do love that. Help us become a customer-focused government. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that gets talked about a lot in like liberal circles, especially at the national level, is like, well, we can do a Medicare for all, right? They do it in Sweden, or they do it in Norway, or they have this other program in Germany, or whatever. One thing that I think is very different in many of those countries, and I think you could even look Canada in with this, is that government agencies in many of like the Nordic states, some of the European states, they have that attitude. Mm-hmm. Like government agencies see citizens as customers, not as a burden. Oh, right. Right. And like, I, I think he is and like, and I'm not trying to like talk down to any of the, you know, 50, how many hundreds of thousands of state employees we have in Oklahoma. There's right. a lot. Um, there's a lot of them that do a really, really great job. Yeah. 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 Um, so I'm not, trying to to talk down to them because i know some of them listen so it's a shout out to you guys but i think that kind of trying to from the top down have this idea that like if you work at the dmv right you are like the the patrons coming in they are your customers sure they pay your salary just like they would pay your salary if you worked at an ice cream shop and they pay your salary by buying an ice cream there's a there's a woman who works in the secretary of state's office that when i filed our um articles of incorporation for let's fix this she was outstanding she was on the phone 
helping people in person, like just crushing it. And I was like, she's not getting paid enough. I guarantee. Yeah. It's great. Um, I'm with you though. And I, and I think also, I think about all the ways that, that we can make government more efficient, which I, you know, that's a buzzword, but like, seriously, there's a lot of parts of bureaucracy that just are there to create jobs or just that it's checks and balances, but it makes it super sucky for the end user. Yeah, and you can totally use technology to eliminate a lot of those things, but to bring technology in and do that requires a significant upfront investment. Yes, yes. For right. example, so I, you know, um, as listeners probably know, I work in HIV care and I, um, my program is funded through some federal grants. Um, and so we interface with the State Department of Health and their HIV program, which is also funded through some federal grants. And there's a ton of reporting requirements um, and that everyone's fear of being audited leads to some just obtuse and burdensome reporting requirements that uh, or like... Um, application things and, and checks and balances and all that in order to ensure that they are spending taxpayer dollars correctly, which, hey, as a taxpayer, I'm totally a, a fan of. However, I guarantee we end up spending money. It takes more staff to do the same work because like, it's a burdensome system. Like, What if they could just apply online? We wouldn't need like the 30 or whatever case managers statewide. Patients could just pl- apply online. Right. And we would save money in the end. Right. But the the problem, and this is um, this is this is something I've been thinking a lot about for some kind of speaking engagements that I have coming up. Mm-hmm. That like one of the main problems that we have in the United States, generally in Oklahoma specifically, is our inability to see spending as investment. We see spending uh, as an ex- ah, yes. we see spending as an expense to be minimized, mm-hmm. not as an investment where the return needs to be maximized. And so and so if you can if you can use technology to eliminate government inefficiencies, that can save you like that can save you hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars down the road. Mm-hmm. It might require an investment of 50 million dollars today. Right, right, right. But, but isn't we, that isn't that worth it if it saves you if it saves you 100 million over 5 years? Isn't that worth it? It is. You know, a bird in the hand is better than two in the bush, and I think we are we are um, have habitually just trying to get through the next year, not looking ten years ahead. Let's unite around delivering this accountability. The people deserve it. We should have paused right here. And with it, state government will live within its financial means, and we will execute a top-to-bottom review, set meaningful priorities and establish measurable goals. And Oklahoma's turnaround also starts with education. You know, I'm fully convinced Oklahoma can have a top 10 education system. He says the words top 10 seven times in the speech. Pointing to Oklahoma and saying, this is what's possible. That is already true of Oklahoma's pre-K program. And it's already true with access to career techs statewide. A system that has been nimble and robust in helping us train the workforce of the day. We have much to be proud of, and I commend the legislature for the work that they've done and the progress they've made last year. This is a great, I think it's a Freakonomics about Oklahoma's pre-K program. But it's we really fascinating. Progress to make. It will it's one of the best in the country. That reforming and improving education should not be a partisan issue. 
Getting our children ready to thrive and face the challenges of the future should be our shared priority. We're going to break down silos between common ed, career techs, and higher ed. But more government money is not the answer alone. We need families working together with the school to help children unlock their full potential and overcome all odds. I feel like this is him hedging. Right. It's not the answer alone, but it is definitely part of the answer. Well, and I appreciate that he said that. Yeah. And the potential of a brighter future. Yeah, I mean, that, that took a lot for a Republican governor this to say that out loud. We will value teachers and seek to recruit the very best teachers in the profession. And instead administration, we will also work to address our ranking and incarceration. And I want to take a moment to recognize Governor Mary Fallon for starting the hard work and beginning a much needed conversation around this issue. Thank you, Governor Fallon. That was awkward too, just in person. You know, my eyes were open to this issue while on the campaign trail a year ago in December when I met a, a lady named Miranda. Rhonda runs a ministry in Claremore where she provides opportunity for women reentering society after prison and drug addiction. Rhonda told me that her own incarceration saved her life from drugs, but she is sounding the alarm for the extreme length of prison time that women today are receiving for nonviolent offenses in Oklahoma. These sentences make reintegration into society much more challenging. They often destroy families and they fall short and respecting the dignity, worth, and potential of people who have made mistakes and need help. Rhonda's ministry and many like it across our state are a vital component to helping Oklahoma tackle our number one ranking in incarceration. As a state, we must do better, and we must believe in the power of second chances, of grace and redemption. It will require us to step forward as citizens, as churches, as job creators, as a government to bring this meaningful change. Rhonda, I love that thank passage. You for being here mm -hmm. today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was that was good. And finally, in all that we do and the decisions that we make, it will come back to growth. We will ask ourselves, does this new bill, does this new investment, does this regulation grow Oklahoma? We are at our best when people are gainfully employed, when wages are improving, when people have freedom to innovate and access to opportunity. Today, the nation needs to hear. The business community needs to hear. Rural Oklahoma needs to hear. The manufacturing industry, aerospace, technology. In a state administration, Oklahoma is open for business. You know, it's great to say, right? Like, does this new bill, this investment, does this regulation grow Oklahoma? I don't think that anybody who proposes any of those things would say, no, they don't. But the difference is going to be, like, how do you, like, what grows Oklahoma? That's where the debate is. No one's debating about the need for this. It's how you get there. Friends, we are either moving forward or we're falling behind. And I believe we have more opportunity today than any day in our history to start a business, to expand an existing one, to move our state forward. This may seem too bold for some. Big goals can often feel unattainable, but don't say that to a guy who was told it was impossible to build a nationwide mortgage company with $1,000 in a computer. 
And don't tell that to a guy who was told that a political outsider couldn't become governor. As we close our time together, here is my commitment to you. You, the people, come first. I commit to you to be a good listener. There it is. A continuous mm -hmm. learner and a committed communicator and a bold leader for the decisions that make a difference for today's children and the next generation. I'm humbled by the trust you placed in me to serve as your next governor. And I thank you for your prayers, for your support and your encouragement. Thank you for your commitment to making Oklahoma a great place to live, work, and raise a family. Let's get this done together, folks, because Oklahoma's turnaround starts right here, right now. So the last thing I'll say like in terms of a specific line, I commit to you to be a good listener, continuous learner, a committed communicator and a bold leader. I mean, I don't know that it was written with this intention. In fact, I would almost say I'm sure that it was not written with this intention. I don't know. Maybe it was. Is there any way in which that's not like a direct contrast to governor Fallon? Oh, maybe good listener, continuous learner, committed communicator, bold leader i mean i would submit that much of the criticism for her at least recently mm -hmm. has been around her lack of bold leadership her poor communication with the public mm -hmm. you know the continuous learner good listener i mean i don't i don't know what do you think is that i know that, that's a that's insightful um uh insightful insight <laughs> i guess um that's what i do yeah but i mean some of that is that we are served by the um the lens of history right to look back and everything's 2020 and so um i would i would postulate that she would have said the same things and they turn out to not be true right so um i i feel like i've said this to you already I feel like this speech hit the notes that it needed to hit, right? For inaugural address, it was about 15 minutes long, um, which was great because it was cold. It was optimistic. It was well-delivered. It was confident. Um, it spoke of, uh, of, a, a, of a more fruitful future, and that, to me, was encouraging. Yeah, I I totally agree. I I like the speech. I think he delivered it well. I think you're right. I think that from a political perspective, a political perspective, I think that he hit what he needed to. And quite frankly, there's a lot of, there is a lot to like about the vision of Oklahoma that he laid out. Yeah. Right, but the devil I mean, the devil is in the details. Right. You know? And he said this was not going to be a policy speech, but I think I mean, this speech could have been delivered by someone of either party and yeah. been uh, equally applicable i think that's right and i also think that you know we say the devil's in the details and some of those details are emerging um i have to say i'm i am very impressed with a lot of the hires that governor state has made so far uh in terms of you know cabinet appointments uh mr bud who he's appointed to be the uh, new chief operating officer of oklahoma as well C -O -O. as omes omes uh and then the secretary for agency, agency accountability, accountability yeah. right so um he's got a big job description but he's uh, a registered independent so he's not you know he's not yeah, uh, yeah. he's not someone that is a, a party shill on either side he has impeccable education credentials he's got outstanding credentials from the business world so mm -hmm. You know, I've I've been skeptical about the whole chief operating officer position, but um, oh, I thought it was a good a good deal. I you, I tweeted about this like a year ago. You know, I've 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 been skeptical about it, but I think that um, you know, on the one hand, you could make a case like, shouldn't he have hired someone with governor experience government experience to do that? Mm. Um, 
But if you're not going to hire somebody who's from the government, like the I think he, he found the ideal candidate. So yeah. uh, some other cabinet appointments he's made that I think have been um, been really interesting. And I think that, you know, so far it looks like he's he's starting off really on the right foot with the legislature. So um, we'll see in his state of the state address uh, what what kind of policy details he lays out and kind of how how this goes. You know, I hope um, uh, I hope that the legislature and I mean this from from the parties on both sides. I hope that, you know, you and I were texting about this today. I hope that the Dems give him some time, you know? Yeah. yeah um, yeah. I hope they give him some time. Like the, obviously they're not going to, they're, they're obviously not going to agree on, agree on everything, but he won 56% of the vote and you know, the Republicans have 75% of the house. So like you're, you know, I think, I think save, save some of your consternation for, where it really matters. And if you mm-hmm. want to have a seat at the table, start finding out where you can work together now. Right. Right. right? Like don't, I mean, he don't, hasn't, he hasn't don't start by, yet. don't right. start by lambasting everything he says yeah, yeah. just because he said it. Right. 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 There, like, I, mean, I get, you know, I'm not a big partisan person anyway, but um, I'm independent technically um, anyway, but yeah, I don't, let's uh, I'm, I'm happy to assign blame where blame is due, but, uh, and also credit where credit's due. And right now we haven't had enough time for either one. So totes. All right. So uh, to recap, um, or no, well, to recap the future, mm-hmm. um, to look ahead, to look ahead. Uh, next week, we're gonna do. We're gonna review some bills that have been filed. We're gonna do our predict orama. Um, I hope we might be able to have Peter, who won the predict orama last year. Peter finally come on and get his uh, tote bag. I still a have dedicated it. listener. Right, he there. is. I've emailed with him. I need to check that out. Um, so it'd be great if he could join us for that episode. Um, so we will try to put that together for next week's episode. I'll do my best to have the lights on in Upper Room Studios for us next week. It's a little dark in here. Yeah, At some sorry. point, we could even live stream this. I've got a little camera thing we can oh, use. fancy. Yeah, I have, uh, I have a connection that's going to give us a little Mevo camera. I wonder if people would see our setup and think, whoa, that's way more professional than I thought or way right. less professional than Too I thought. Too many bottles of whiskey sitting around <laughs> here. Um, so, And then um, heads up, uh, looking forward, February 4th. It's a Monday, right? Um, I think so. That is the uh, state of the state address yes. and, the be- and like the beginning of the real session. They've had yep. their organizational day, but that's when stuff actually starts happening. Um, I will be there at the Capitol for the state of the state. Um, and so I imagine, are you coming that day? I'm going to try. All right. I think we did this last year. Yeah, I'm going to um, try. Well, I'll get the other the other uh, daily and we can record a live, maybe a live pod from up there. Um, and then... Um, so that's February 4th. February 10th, the following Sunday night, will be our first West Wing watch party of the year, um, as we mentioned earlier. Um, tickets are required, but they are free. Um, those will be on our website, our Facebook page, and uh, on the on towertheater.com. Um, and then in short order, we'll be announcing our capital days for the year. I need to preserve those rooms um, in a couple of days. So hopefully by the time you listen to this, I will have already reserved those rooms. Listen, we've got some really huge announcements coming out in the next couple of weeks, and I... It's true. Um, I've, I'm going to have to stay up late a bunch of nights and doing a bunch of this work because um, things are happening at a breakneck pace. Um, Did what, you ever watch 30 Rock? Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, when Liz thinks she's pregnant, she calls Jack, Ooh, Jack, it's Liz. Ah, things are happening. <laughs> Sorry, it's a deep dive. I don't recall that part, but... It's a deep dive. Um, uh, I'm not pregnant, but we are... Um, 
pregnant with excitement. I'm pretty sure I do not have a womb. We're growing uh, cotton, I think, on the moon. So, is that what we're growing on the moon? Well, the Chinese, yeah, dude, the Chinese are growing cotton. Yeah, it's it's a brave new world. Anyway, um, so in the coming weeks, uh, in addition to those other events, we're gonna have some big announcements. Um, Let's fix this is gonna be stepping out, doubling down on fixing things. And man, I tell you what, if you're a listener. We really appreciate you. Um, you have been like our core audience uh, in many ways, and we look forward to being able to have some events uh, with you and to really um, get into things and to, well, to be honest, to get at the business of fixing the government in Oklahoma. Yes, uh, we love you guys so much, and we're so grateful you tune in every week. Um, you know, I would say the only thing I would ask of you guys for this year communicate with us more send yeah, us more send right. us more emails send us more tweets um unless it's something that like pisses you off and then don't hate tweet me we'll take those two <laughs> we will so, right. uh, tweet tweet at us email us um show up at the capitol come introduce yourself and say that you listen to the pod that's right so that brings us to the end of this episode um as scott said don't forget to subscribe and rate Let's pod this on Apple Podcasts because that helps other people discover us and become well, better informed. Um, you can tweet at us on Twitter at Let's Fix This Okay. Scott is at SC Melson. I am at Andy OKC. You can email us at podcast at Let's Fix This Okay.org. Um, you can like us on Facebook and uh, share stuff there as well. Our website is letsfixthisok.org, and on there you can sign up for our newsletter, read our blog, and uh, find other resources and details. And honestly, in a couple of weeks, it's all going to be redone and looking clean and shiny with a uh, more accessible use and more of the stuff that you need, less of the old photos or my old blurry phone. Let's Fix This um, is a nonpartisan, nonprofit organization who strives to educate and equip all Oklahomans to engage with their government in meaningful ways. We encourage you to get involved any way you can. Let's Pod This is a production of Let's Fix This. Obviously, Scott and I are the ones who record and produce it. Uh, Our theme music is provided by the Sugar Free All-Stars. That's it for our first week back. Thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next week with a shorter episode and some Predict-O-Rama. Have a great week.